Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Productivity Pod. If you're new to the show, the Productivity Pod is a conversation about the changing work landscape, working smarter, and of course, productivity. I'm your host, Richard Pollack, and I have made my career helping companies all over the world get the most out of and do the most for their workforce. This is maybe surprising to you, but I don't believe in work-life balance. I think that work is life and life is work. It's integrated. The people who are successful find a way to create the synergy between the two. Some high achievers sacrifice too much of their work, leaving them less fulfilled with life and then potentially unhappy. So there is a balance I don't refer to as a work-life balance, but it's all part of life. That's why. Now, many spend 100% of their time on 10% of who they are. And they really missed the boat. And that's a quote really from Sherry's new book. It's a wonderful book that I've read. So from a personal experience, I've got to be careful myself because I'm certainly a high achiever. And they would call me a type A personality. In fact, my wife refers to me as a type A personality with a B frosting. So you don't really know I'm a type A personality, but when you dig deeper, it's clear it's there. And I've got to be careful not to do too much of the work, which I enjoy balance that off with my family life, which I did this morning, took my son for a walk for an hour, which I try to do every morning. And then at four o'clock, I take a break and then spend time with him as well. I'm fortunate, like many of us now, to be able to work from home. Today's guest helps high achievers find greater fulfillment in their lives by living exponentially. After 20 years of creating marketing strategies for Usher, TLC, Tony Baxton, Coca-Cola Company, Converse, Nike, NBA, and Warner Media Sherry Riley decided to pursue a new path and serve as an empowerment speaker and life strategist where she works with celebrities, athletes, entrepreneurs, corporate executives, and all-around busy individuals to make choices that lead to less stress, better clarity, and a more fulfilling life. Sherry's NAACP Image Award-nominated book, Exponential Living, which I've read and enjoyed very much, helps goal-oriented individuals stop spending 100% of their time on 10% of who they are. She's spoken at J.P. Morgan, Chase, Prudential, Coca-Cola, CNN, Turner Sports, Delta Airlines, and appeared on the Steve Harvey TV show, Essence NPR, and Huffington Post. Sherry, welcome to the show. Sherry, so good to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Good to talk to you and see you. I'll see you later in live, but I'm just very happy to connect again. We've had many conversations. I've looked so forward to working with you in the future. Absolutely. You've had quite an interesting path from marketing to helping high performers lead more fulfilling lives. How did you get where you are today? Oh, that's such a loaded question. That's like, where do I start? (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) I I remember you telling me your story. It's really fascinating. And if you really feel comfortable expressing yourself, feel free to open up a little bit. I know the audience would enjoy it because they relate to you and really important life you've led. So please help others. Yeah, no, I, I you know, I, I will be able to tell this long story uh, with respect to time and in a short thumbnail. I'm a small town girl. I, I come from a small town in Kentucky of about, you know, 30,000 people, but I always had this dream of working in the entertainment industry. And I'm going to date myself, Richard. This was at a time when there was no Google, there was no cell phones. Uh, you know, there was just, soul train for those of us that are in that age group. And um, (laughs) literally when I was talking about 
working in the entertainment industry, it was like I was talking about building hotels on Mars. I mean, that's how realistic I sounded. And so I went off to college. And uh, while I was at the University of Louisville, a professor said, hey, just call people that work in the industry you want to be in and ask them to do a 15-minute informational interview. And so I did that for four and a half years, and no one ever took my call. And (laughs) so I (laughs) kept going, kept going. And eventually, about almost 10 years later, I did end up as the uh, director of marketing at LaFace Records, which was the record label for Usher, Tony Braxton, Outkast, TLC. I mean, I'm literally, Richard, living my dream. And Mm -hmm. I had, you know, bought my mother a home by the age of 27, unlimited expense account, six figures in my mid-20s. And I was absolutely miserable. Mm -hmm. I was absolutely miserable. I literally had this amazing career, but I didn't have a good life. And I crashed and I burned. And in that crashing and burning, I resigned from LaFace Records and launched my company, Glue, which I had 17 years. But on the journey of crashing and burning, I realized that I was not an anomaly. I was more the norm. I was just too crazy to keep it quiet um, (laughs) when everyone else was in denial. And and what I discovered is that I was spending 100% of my time on 10% of who I was, expecting 100% of my fulfillment. And when I realized I wasn't the only one that truly was seeking peace as the new success, in addition to the professional career, in addition to the amazing family, that the most important part was peace, which really was the core of my productivity. When I realized I wasn't the only one, that's the journey that I'm on now. I'm on now to work with other high performers like myself who still want the career, who still want to be able to work towards significance, that still want to be able to serve in their community. We still want to do those things, but we don't want to lose ourselves in the process. We don't want to be so overwhelmed that we're not a good person. And so that's what got me here is I crashed and burned and I realized how to get out of that hole. And I want to help others to either keep from crashing and burning, or if you have, help you come back up from the dust. Okay. So let's take that as an example, someone that has crashed and burned, or maybe not, it's gone that far, but in the environment we live now with tremendous amount of remote working and COVID and being alone less interaction with human beings that we had friends with and work colleagues. you have any suggestions how to get out of that rut? Some ideas? Yeah, I do. You know, the first thing we have to do is we have to stop saying, I don't know, right? You know, we will say, you know, I, I know I need to make a change in my life, but I don't know what to do. I know that I'm burned out. I know that I'm overwhelmed, but I don't know what to do. And the reality is, is we always know. Now, we may not have all the answers. We may need help in the decision that we make. We may not be ready to accept the answer. We may not be ready to do the work that we have to do, but we always know. And in that truth of accepting what you do know and stop saying you don't know, what that does is empower you to get started on the work. And so the first thing is we have to stop saying, I don't know. Then we have to give ourselves permission to get help. Working with high performers, the biggest challenge I have is they are my competitors. Them thinking they can do it on their own. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. If you could do it on your own, you would have already because you're a high performer. 
And so mm-hmm. I want you to understand the value of getting help. And then when you get the help, commit to the consistency. High performers know how to commit to the goal. They know how to commit to getting things done. The challenge they have when it comes to themselves personal, their personal development is committing to the consistency because they allow every other distraction to come up and keep them from doing the work. Whether it's losing weight, whether it's a personal development plan, whether, to be honest, whether it's spending time with your family, there's always other work distractions that will take you away from the consistency of that personal development work that is so critical because personal development fuels our professional growth. So when we do that work, it always amplifies the productivity that we have in our professional life. Okay. So take the individual who is satisfied at their job, but not engaged. It's going, okay, great. I, I like my job. I do it. And then I'm not really a high achiever. All right. How do we help those people be more engaged, have more purposeful lives, enjoy themselves? Is there a way? Yeah. And it's very similar. You know, I use the word high performer uh, or high or high achiever, um, but it really applies in a broad spectrum. It's not just the quote unquote CEO or, you know, the, the professional athlete that we know they have done the, the, the higher level of work. It also applies to the mother of three who wants the best for her children. It applies to that community organizer that's committed to making an impact in their community. The principles are the same. The challenges may be a little nuanced, but the principles are the same. And so what I say to those individuals that are, you know, they love what they do or they're happy with what they do, but they just want to create more capacity to do other things, right? I'm here, I'm happy with my work, but now what? What else can I do? Well, one of the first steps is really evaluating how you're spending your time. How are you spending your time? One of my clients, she was you know, happy with what she did work-wise. She was working in her community, working with her sorority, working in her church, but she just always felt this nagging this desire that she wasn't doing all she wanted to do. And one of the things we did in the first day of working with her is we were able to secure 20 additional hours in her schedule each week. One of the first steps is her learning the value of saying no. She's an executive producer. And so a lot of people want to meet with her for lunch so that they can learn about what it would take to work in television and film. And so the first thing we did was we created a a frequently asked questions document for her and her own personal journey. We think about that, you know, for businesses, but in her own personal knowledge, when someone asks her now, hey, can we meet? She'll send them first that, you know, frequently asked questions and 90% of what people want to know is in that. Then the second thing, instead of meeting, because a meeting that's supposed to be an hour really takes three or four hours out of your day when you factor in travel time, pre-COVID, right? But even on Zoom, you're still having to prepare and, and be present. And so we've made a lot of those phone calls. So again, what went from a three-hour meeting outside of the office is now a 30-minute phone call. So really being intentional about how we allocate our time, that applies at whatever level that you're working or whatever industry that you work in, is really being intentional about time allocation. Do you suggest using tools, apps, technology, calendars, um, task lists? How does somebody really apply that? For me and for my clients, 
any and all of those. You have to find the tool and resource that works for you. And it does take some, some practice. I've used apps that did not work. I've used websites that did not work. And what finally worked is Michael Hyatt's planner, um, his planner. It That I needed the structure and I liked the written word. For other clients, there's apps. What I recommend is the most important tool is the tool that works for you and that you are actually going to use. I find so many people get caught up in what they use versus just find what works for you. That's the best tool and resource. Okay. So when you say your clients, do they retain you for the individuals retain you? Does a corporation retain you? How does that work? Both. So I have individual or one-on-one clients that I serve as their, their coach and life strategist. I also have companies that retain me to work with their clients. I also have companies that bring me in to, to speak and do workshops and trainings as well. So both individual and corporate, as well as sports programs. Okay. So if I'm a CEO and I feel like my employees need to be more engaged, they're not loving their work. You know, everybody seems to be around here doing the work, but they're not loving it. And I know if they love it, then they'll do better at it and then we'll make more money at it. And then I'll be able to pay them more money. You know, it all works in a circle. You have some training that you say will help make the employees more productive for the employer. Can you talk to that a bit without being salesy, about doing a full pitch? (laughs) Yes, I can. I am. There's nine principles in my book, Exponential Living. And the first principle is living your power. And that's one of the signature programs that I use where Um, What we identify with a lot of corporations is everything you just said, is that the issues that their employees deal with between 6 p.m. and 9 a.m. directly affect how productive they are between 9 a.m. and 6 p.m. Basically, the whole idea that you don't bring your personal issues and challenges to work is a fallacy because you're still that whole person. That compartmentalizing is a part of the challenge that I have bridged that you are that person at work and you are that person at home. You just have to have the discernment and how you carry yourself in those different environments. But you're mentally, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually still the person dealing with a broken marriage, dealing with a child that's wayward, dealing with a health or, or medical issue of a parent. You're still having that in your life, in your mind and in your energy when you're at work. It's just how you manage it. And so working with corporations, I come in and help train their teams on what I call living your power. And it's taking them through a five-point process of really focusing in on their perspective, really is their vision, how do they see the steps they need to take, taking ownership of the things that they really need to focus on, and then how do you separate the opportunities from the distractions? How do you really know? When an opportunity is the distraction, when it's going to take your time away from what's most important. And then the most important piece, Richard, is then helping people with the tools and resources to be present. Multitasking is a lie. It has been scientifically proven. Neuroscientists have proven it is a lie. And so I really work then with teams on how do we focus in and be present and understanding the tools that it takes that allows us in those steps to then get the reward, which is the increased productivity. Because when we increase the individual's 
personal growth that then engages them away that allows them to be more productive at work because they're being more effective and efficient at home. And so that's one of the programs that corporations bring us in to really work with their teams. And what I'll share, Richard, and what I love, because when I started this work about 12, 10 years ago, companies were nowhere near receptive to the message. You know, when I focus in on personal development fuels our professional growth. Now, because of the mental health awareness, because of understanding mindfulness, understanding that productivity is not just attached to the work we do, but the mindset that we have in doing the work, companies are much more receptive to that. And I I knew that the industry had shifted when my mentor, John Maxwell, not only quoted me in his leadership book um, that came out, but then in the second book, he came out, A Leader's Greatest Return. He actually interviewed me because he said, you know, It's at that point where as leaders, we have to recognize that when we pour into our employees first and give them the tools that they need to be their best self, they're going to definitely be more productive, which is going to amplify our bottom line because they are engaged and they are giving us the best of who they are. Great. Thank you. Let's talk about high achievers again. Okay. What are their greatest problems and struggles that you find they face? The reason I want to talk about high is everybody wants to be a high performer, a high achiever. And there are only a certain amount of them in each organization. But if you if we're able to identify what makes them that way, then others may f- use them as a model or an example and want to be more like them. So what is their greatest struggles, their greatest problem? Let's talk about their lives a little bit. And you're one of those people too. And then how could others in the organization kind of go on the shirt tails and learn how to be a high performer? Well, I'll say a part of their problem is the gift that they have, the talent they have, the skill that they have that allows them to work at the highest level and be, you know, that high achiever, that high performer. That's also the curse because one, they're like, well, if I'm great at this, then I have to be great at that. So if I'm great at work for me, if I, you know, if I'm a great marketing executive, if I'm absolutely phenomenal at what I do at marketing, then the assumption is I'm going to be a good wife. I'm going to be a great spouse. I'm going to be a great mother. I'm going to be a great problem solver for myself. And that's where the challenge lies. That's one of the big challenges is they think that they can fix all of their issues with the same skill set that makes them uh, great at this one particular thing. That's why with my clients, I say I only work with the ready, willing, and committed because they have to get beyond the fact of, since I'm great at this one thing, I can fix the problem. And that's not always the case. The other part is them understanding the value of getting help, understanding the value, because there's so much vulnerability that it takes in recognizing that here's an area that you need someone to assist you. When you're the leader, when you're the high performer, you're so used to being the one that everyone else depends on that it sometimes takes a higher level of humility that you're willing to grow into or a level of vulnerability that you're not willing to risk to then say, I need help. 
I need someone to help me. So those are two of the biggest challenges. I would say some of the areas that allows a high performer to elevate to that level that others can tie into is their commitment to consistency. Their commitment to consistency. So many times a higher performer, the only the difference between a high performer, quote unquote, and someone who may not have reached those certain levels is because they stay committed when everything fell apart. They didn't jump to the new thing. They didn't walk away and try to figure something else out. They stay committed. That's been my journey. I mean, when I was homeless, when I, my business fell apart, when my marriage fell apart, all those things, I still committed to the consistency of what I believed that I wanted to accomplish. And so a lot of times, you know, there's, I, I say all the time, there's, I'm not special. Most high performers aren't special. Now there's your unique nuances like your Michael Jordans of the world, right? But most of us have the same similar skill sets. It's just our willingness not to stop. It's our willingness to commit to the consistency and any and everybody can do that. Do you think that therapy helps people? Psychotherapy, psychoanalysis? Do you think there's a point where that's helpful for people? Absolutely. A lot of my coaching clients actually have therapists as well. There's two unique skill sets that we offer. But yes, I have, for me personally, I have a spiritual coach. I have a business coach. I have a performance coach. I have... Let me tell you, if your coach doesn't have coaches, that is not that you do not work with that coach. <laughs> okay, but that's really incredible. The jab. Let's go through that again because I want to write that down. You said a spiritual coach. Tell me who, because all these work in the bucket of productivity, right? Yes. So, so what's a spiritual coach do? She's a pastor. She's a woman. I'm a woman of faith. She's a woman of faith, and so she, what she brings to me is deeper clarity in my walk of faith with God. For example, she just highlighted for me that even though I'm a confident person, I still have a lot of doubt. And so she walked in and I didn't see it. Like I just didn't see it. But that's something that by her highlighting that for me, from a spiritual standpoint, from a biblical standpoint, I was able to then pray and study and really understand that for myself which has drastically increased my confidence, which is drastically increasing my productivity. I'm now getting more done because Richard, I didn't realize everything I started, I would start it through the lens of doubt. Okay, Sherry, I think you can do this. If you work hard enough, you'll do this. If the right people help you, you'll do that. Well, all of that is from the seed of doubt. Whereas now I'm now working on things saying, you've got this, you are more than qualified. This is information that you've already perfected. You see the difference? So I'm getting things done at a higher level. I have, you know, Raul Davis, our mutual friend and colleague. Mm -hmm. I call him my consigliere. He is my business coach in this lane and space of personal development, author and, and, and speaker. I go to him to get that kind of insight and guidance. I have a development coach. I'm meeting with at 430. And then we also need vision partners that really up-level our productivity. I've had one vision partner when I was writing my book that I met with once a week for a year to really help me work through the concept of the book. I have a vision partners now. There's three of us. We meet quarterly. We're entrepreneurs. We're all in the same space. 
And we come together each quarter to hold each other accountable, to have a safe place to brainstorm and, and visioneer about our companies and our personal lives. And so all of those elements that I allow to pour into me makes me even more effective and productive in how I serve my clients and how I scale and grow my company. All right, Sherry, if there's one or two of all this list of wonderful issues and topics and results and suggestions that you can help somebody with, if we had to choose, which we often have to do in life because we can't do everything, it's one, two, three, what would you say would be the most fulfilling that you could provide to someone to help themselves be more productive? Yes. That's such a great question because there's so, so many phenomenal answers that I could give. But I, I think the one that's most important right now is we have to give ourselves grace. One of the things I've discovered, and Richard, you're the expert in this, so you know I could be way off. But one of the things I've discovered is we're way more productive than we give ourselves credit for mm. because we're constantly comparing ourselves to all of these other realities that aren't really our truth, right? So we're looking at the thumbnail or the trailer in people's lives on social media. We're looking at data and stats that are showing us the highest end, right? It's like, you know, I'm a sports fanatic, but it's like, you know, the, the, the greatest player on a team constantly comparing themselves to Michael Jordan, right? It's Michael mm -hmm. Jordan, you not being Michael Jordan does not change the fact that you are productive. You impact the bottom line. You affect the winning nature of your company. And so one of the greatest gifts I hope people take away from me on this amazing podcast is to increase our productivity. We've got to just allow ourselves to stop beating ourselves up and minimizing the level of productivity that we are doing. Now, in that, then we can absolutely look for areas of growth, areas of opportunity we can get better. But if we really want the power of peace and clarity and courage, we have to stop beating ourselves up, really be honest with the level of productivity that we are producing on a regular basis. And then we can be more integral with our own selves and how we take advantage of those growth opportunities from a more realistic place. In a very simple way of summing that up, Richard, stop beating yourself up, celebrate mm -hmm. yourself on a more regular basis, and then hold yourself accountable to continue to grow and be better. Great. Thanks so much. There was a um, quote, it was Moliere, I think, that said, be yourself because everybody else is taken. Yes. I love that quote. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. And I think when we own a, the level of productivity we're at, while also being encouraged um, to hold ourselves accountable to do more, you know, our energy and, and the culture of companies will shift because you'll have, you know, I, and I'm a, I'm a competitive person. None of this is to eliminate competition so that we can all push each other to be better. Um, but we don't have to destroy our own personal peace and our own personal grace to be better. Like I am absolutely filled with joy and happiness and peace, and I'm still driven and committed to excellence and committed to wanting to be better every day. Those two things can coexist. And I believe that's a big part of the mindset that I really want companies to embrace is that you can 
have peace and power. You can have joy and be competitive. You can be happy and still be driven to win. And I think that's a big key to our productivity. Wow. Terrific. Thank you. Yes. I appreciate this opportunity to talk with you, Richard. I love it. I've always loved our conversation. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) We got to find a way to do something together. Yes. Yes. You know, you're still on my hit list as we, as I continue to (laughs) grow and evolve. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. Really appreciate you doing this and being on the show and helping people. And your life is really something to model by. So for me, for sure. And I'm sure everybody else that listened to this. So thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it, Richard. And congratulations on the podcast. It's needed. Yeah. Thank you. Now it's time for smart seconds. This is the part of the show where I'll be sharing tips, themes, and ideas of how you can work smarter today. Today, I want to explore chapter three of my new book, Work Smart Now, Absenteeism and Presenteeism. Most people know what absenteeism, it's simply the time away from work for whatever reason, sometimes personal, sometimes illness. Presenteeism is actually more insidious and even 10 times worse for the corporation because you can't see it. It's being at work, basically, and not being present, not being engaged. And you can be fully satisfied at work and not be engaged. That's really the difference between the two. Now, how can you measure these? Well, absenteeism is actually quite easy to measure. And you can even measure the improvements of it. And that's important too, because you want to base metrics where you start to measure absenteeism and you have records when people are absent. And then when you improve on productivity through engagement, wellness, technology, optimizing workday, which is all part and in the book, that absenteeism metric will actually go down, which will increase revenue and thus productivity. Presenteeism is a lot harder. That can only be measured really through surveys and engagement and honest feedback from individuals. Very hard to measure, but you can and you should in order to make your organization stronger, more productive, and then increase revenue and profits. 